Right now, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 17. It's a long reading, but I ask you to sit back and follow it through. Colossians 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. Seize it at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put, on, put off the old self with its practices and, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We are in a season of renewal, times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, leading to the restoration of all things. And on that road to restoration, God chooses to bring to us special seasons and times of Holy Spirit intensity. It's as if he comes into the kitchen of your spiritual life and turns up the heat. This Christmas I received a very precious Christmas present. It is a chef's apron. I want you to know, even when I'm boiling eggs, I put it on. And I've come to understand this. There's a time to turn the heat up as the time to let it simmer. I think 
the regular life of the church, God puts us on simmer. It's simmering. The cooking is happening. It's an important process. Don't despise the ordinary days. You might not sometimes be feeling the presence of God, but you're simmering. You may not know exactly what is happening, but it's cooking. God knows what he's doing. But there are times and seasons, and I think we're in one now, where God turns the heat up. He knows that it's time to bring things to the boil, to bring things to surface, to turn up the intensity, especially when it comes with respect to the manifestation of his presence. The passage in Acts chapter 3 where it says, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And it goes on to say, whom heaven must receive until the restoration of all things. Talking about a very big plan, God is restoring all things. And it's as if, so on earth, as in heaven, so on earth, what is going on on earth, the change of seasons, God has set season, appointed times and seasons, and we are moving, you know, naturally from winter into spring. When is spring? Hurry up, we're waiting for you. The season changes, but also there are seasonal changes in the spiritual realm. So there is this kind of things happening in heaven coming out upon the earth. So times of refreshing poured out on the earth from the presence of Jesus. And this is all part of his program to make all things new. We know that this is happening. And in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 5, it says, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. So when he says all things, he means all things. Are you one of the things he's making new? Oh, you don't know that. Are you all things includes you and me? Then it says also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. That's a very good thing to have in your mind when you look at the world in which we live. Say, what on earth is heaven up to? And you look at the world, you look at the tragedies, you look at all the stuff that's going on, the confusion, the turnings away from Christ, and but we know that God is working out everything and he is going to bring about his plan to make all things new. But in the meantime, times of refreshing, times of renewal taking place in your life. So we have to have this dual focus. That's what this passage is all about. Did you notice it? He's talking about our position in heaven and our activity on the earth. I like that. You know, there is this criticism that, that most of us fit into one category or the other, which is your category. Some of us are so heavenly minded that we have no earthly use. But others are so earthly minded that you have no heavenly use. But God says there's a right way to focus on heaven and a right way to focus on the things on the earth. And to live our life in this right balance requires binocular vision being correctly focused on heavenly things, at the same time, correctly focused on earthly things. Now, in order for this to happen, we need a little bit of help. Because, frankly, very often, when it comes to our heavenly vision, our vision is blurred. We don't see spiritual things so clearly. We don't understand such statements as you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You might say, well, last time I looked, I was sitting next to this person here in Kensington Temple. And it doesn't feel like heaven to me. Or you might say, well, it doesn't feel like heaven to me. My life's a hell right now. 
Or you might say, you haven't met my boss. Well, you're talking about seated in heaven. Uh, or problems in the family or in your own body or in your own emotional state. So many people still struggle with deep emotional issues way into their Christian life. And we know that mental health is an issue that touches Christians and non-Christians alike, you might say, you know, I am going through inner torment. You're telling me I'm seated with Christ in this heavenly bliss? No way. But the truth is, when the Holy Spirit comes, he shows you more clearly the reality of spiritual things. So much so that you can begin to be dominated by the heavenly reality and not overcome by all those earthly negative things. So that's your vision of heaven. What about the vision of earth? Well, you and I, we know that we are called to live for God here on earth. And that means whatever your life consists of when you leave this building, whatever your circumstances, you are called to live for God on the earth. And that's good, it sounds good, but the problem is we have this earthly pull. We find earthly things pull on us in the wrong way. Mainly because the things of earth, well, they are tangible. I mean, they are accessible to the five senses. And, and this is what deceives us. Because what we can see and hear and feel and taste and touch is what we consider to be most real. And then you come along on a Sunday and somebody says, oh no, heaven is real. You say, well, how do, we, how do we resolve this conflict? We want to live for God, but we're pulled in another direction. Well, the solution is very clear from the passage we read. First of all, grasp the heavenly reality. Grasp it. And in times of special visitation, it becomes easier to do so. Grasp the heavenly reality and then apply that to your daily walk. Now, as we have been waiting on God and experiencing his blessing and presence of God in worship and the power of God in prayer and in the word, we've been asking God, how, how is this move of God? Where is it heading? What's going on? And right now, I believe that God is working deeper in us. He wants to do a deep work. And I believe the heights to which we will go de will depend on the depth we allow the Holy Spirit to work. I read that passage, maybe I'll come back to it and expound it bit by bit on other occasions. But right now, I'm giving you an overview, a kind of introduction. And what we see is the contrast between heavenly position and what was actually going on in these people's lives. They were new believers, they were struggling in many, many ways, they were mixing their faith with other kinds of philosophies, and, and they needed to return to the purity of the revelation in Christ. But also, in their life, things were present that ought not to be present. And there's a long list. The first list was very much the heavy sins of the flesh, and we would all say, Amen, get that out. And the second list actually points on attitudes and stuff that is going on in our lives. When I read this list, I don't know whether to laugh or cry. Uh, why would I be happy to read this? I think, well, you know, if they had problems in the early church in these, with, amongst these new believers, maybe we're not so bad after all. And there is a truth in that. 
we have to be honest and recognize that though we are spiritual people, there is still an ugly side, an ugly flesh side that is pulling us away from God and we need the push of the Holy Spirit to break free from that stuff. But on the other side, it is sad. Sad to think uh, that we could still be struggling with some of these basic things and God is saying, here I am to set you free. And I believe this move of God will take us deeper into righteousness than any move of God that we've experienced so far. God is preparing us to walk with Him in a new way that we might carry His glory into the nations. In the revival times, there's an article write-up about the Vision Week in January and so on. And there was a prophetic word that we delivered to the church uh, concerning the move and and we have rephrased that in, in the third person, so don't, don't miss it. It's right there in the in middle of that article. The things that God is promising to do. Once more, he's going to revive this house. Once more, his glory is going to be seen. Once more, his glory is going to go from here to touch the nations of the earth. And for this new move, he is preparing our hearts, not just that we might receive more, but that we might have a greater capacity to carry his glory. Let's have a look at these solutions then. First of all, grasp that heavenly reality. And secondly, apply it to your daily life. Spiritual realities are invisible. And that's the tricky bit. You don't see them, but they're there. Now the problem is, stuff in this world we do see and touch, and therefore we think it's more real. But when the Holy Spirit works in you, spiritual realities become so real to you, He shows you the reality of it, that they become almost visible, almost tangible. I mean, earlier in this service, and even perhaps right now, the sense of the presence of God is so tangible. That's God manifesting His presence. His presence is with us always, but there are seasons in which he shows himself and manifests himself and manifests his presence. And at such a time as that, spiritual things become so real and we regret ever believing the lie that this world says that religious faith is only a matter of opinion. It doesn't correlate to reality. No, spiritual truth correlates to ultimate reality and it's that ultimate reality that governs all things and that ultimate reality shall be fully manifested one day when we will receive his glory and it will also be a day of wrath on those who have rejected him. No other way about it. When the reality is revealed, everything that is unreal is also exposed and collapses. When the light shines fully, there is no place for darkness. This is not a cr cruel, horrible God that is waiting to pour out his wrath. This is a God of love drawing close. But if you don't receive him, then all that is left for you is the darkness you have chosen and the wrath that you have chosen for yourself. But we are not appointed unto wrath. We're appointed unto glory. So God says, grasp the reality of those spiritual things and begin with the power of the Holy Spirit to drive out all that negative stuff so you've got more and more space for Jesus in your life. Give him a mighty praise in this house. So one of the main reasons why God sends times of refreshing is to give us a heightened sense of spiritual awareness 
a heightened sense of the reality of spiritual things. Of course, there's still need for faith. The Bible puts it this way, we walk by faith, not by sight. See, because the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So we know that we're in the faith realm when we're talking about spiritual truths. The word faith in the New Testament language is a word that is related to being persuaded. So faith isn't just believing whatever you choose to believe. In my interviews in Brazil amongst the millennial generation, one very lovely young lady was speaking to us and she said she believes in everything. Uh, how is that possible? Well, you see, I don't believe it because it's true. It's true because I believe it. She actually said it. It's true because I believe it. Now, nothing could be further from the truth. We don't believe it and then make it real. We believe it because it's real. We are persuaded of the reality of spiritual things. We are persuaded of the reality of spiritual truth. And who persuades us? The Holy Spirit persuades us. Persuades us of the truth of his word. Now this is not about believing where there's no evidence, but we are persuaded in the light of evidence. And it's not just about being persuaded because the evidence points in that direction. And we're going to talk about evidence today. Last year we spent a lot of time on that, but there is evidence, real evidence, that Jesus visited this planet, that what he said is accurately recorded in the New Testament, evidence for that, evidence for what he did accurately recorded, and heaps of evidence that he did what he said he was going to do. He was crucified but was raised again from the dead. This, these things are matters of historical investigation, and anybody with an open mind will understand that. But we don't just believe because we are persuaded by evidence. We, are, we believe because the Holy Spirit brings conviction concerning the truth, and more than that, he gives us the ability to commit to the truth. And that's what's important. Faith is not just believing that these things are so. Faith is putting your trust in the living person of Christ and allowing him to direct your life and to commit to his truth. That's the assurance of the Spirit. So my question today is how much are you being governed by the spiritual reality, the, the invisible realm, the realm of God, the revelation of God, and how much are you still being influenced and persuaded by the visible realm? Are you being governed by God's kingdom, or are you still trapped in many things which, truly speaking, belong to this world? I believe that God wants to renew our lives by His Spirit. Now, we have to be realistic in this. There is that pull of the flesh, but there is a greater push <laughs> that's coming from the Holy Spirit. And so, when we walk in the Spirit, we are allowing the Holy Spirit's impulses to direct our lives. And we follow every impulse of the Spirit and we crucify every impulse of the flesh. It's a work of the Spirit, but it requires a response. Did you see he says there, put to death what is earthly in you. 
here we see that it's still in us. And uh, I think that is a lifelong experience of growing to be like Christ. And I thank God how it operates as God, we're being renewed in our knowledge or being transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's beautiful. But we have to acknowledge and accept that much of that stuff is still operating in our lives. Can we have an amen to that? That you recognize that's true. Okay. So, um, for example, our bodies, especially our brains, can still be habituated to previous patterns of thinking and feeling and reacting. In our generation, the behavioral sciences have researched and done, oh, given us a whole lot of evidence to show how the brain operates. And the Bible made it clear, maybe not in the same psychological language, but the Bible made it clear in, from the very beginning when he says, if you're going to be transformed, your, your mind has got to be renewed. What does this mean? Behavioral scientists will tell us that everything we do lays a track, a neural pathway in our brains. And it's like laying the tracks, railway tracks. And when the train comes, it's going to go down the track. And what you have to do is switch tracks or lay on those old tracks a whole new set of tracks. And in that way, you dehabituate yourself to normal responses. Now, I'm not leaving this at the behavioral level. Uh, neuropsychology is, is de uh, developing and, uh, and it's advanced, but unfortunately, it's being interpreted in a humanistic way. In other words, you have to change your thinking. You heard of cognitive behavioral therapy. It's very simple. Change the way you think about a situation and the outcomes will be different. And that's very useful at a practical level. However, we can't just leave it there. What does it mean to change your thinking? It means you reject the lies. You get rid of all that old stinking thinking and you start to think like God. You have the mind of Christ. You start to live in the spirit and realize that spiritual things are real. Imagine if everybody today went out of this house fully charged with the full reality of what it means to be in Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. We would transform London by lunchtime. Oh, okay. Well, by tea time, all right? And so this is what God wants to do. He wants to shake us, make us realize that we are believing sometimes the wrong things, focusing on the wrong things, allowing the things of the earth that we touch and taste and feel, the sensuality, the satisfaction that comes from certain things in this world. And rather than saying, Jesus, you are my all, and I give myself totally to you, and by faith and by the experienced reality of who I am in Christ, I can flow with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, what then is that reality? Now, as I said, I'm not attempting to expound this scripture word for word on this time, but let me just summarize it. The first section says that you are seated with Christ. How did that happen? Very basically, when you believed, you didn't just believe in Jesus, you believed into him. In other words, the Holy Spirit placed you, immersed you in Christ. And the Bible here says Christ is now your life. Christ is your life. Paul puts it this way, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wonderful news. 
and you have been so incorporated into Christ, us individually and together, we are in Christ, and our lives are so bound up with his life that his history becomes our history. His present is our present. His future is our future. We're buried with Christ. Amen and amen. We died with him. When Christ died on the cross, we died with him. When he was raised again from the dead, we were raised with him. When he sat down on the throne of God at the right hand of the Father, we sat down with him. We are now in Christ in heavenly places. Yeah, amen. And his future is our future. When he appears, we shall appear with him. That means our life is so tied up with him. And that's where our focus should be. You know, I personally believe that God is leading us through the deepest repentance that Kensington Temple has ever known. I believe that. We're on a journey. But it's not the negative stuff. So often, preachers at this point get, get a kind of thing going here. Yeah, we've got to root out the sin in this church. And I, I, I get it, I get it. But then they start go, preaching about sin. Paul mentions specific sins. And there isn't anybody here, I suggest, that isn't somehow included in something here. Don't look now, look later. <laughs> All right? But he doesn't begin with that, and the focus isn't that. The focus is on Christ. So he says, set your mind on things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And that's how you should see yourself. That's where your meditation should be. You should have much more of a consciousness of the righteousness of God in you by faith in Christ. And when you begin to see who you are and where you are and who you're keeping company with, then you will say, wow, how, how ridiculous that I should leave the throne room to go into any of that other stuff. And more than that, you will know that there is a mandate over your life considering who you are and where you are to now say, let's deal with that negative earthly stuff. Amen and amen. We are joined with him forever. So it is really worth it to look at that long list of sins in the light of your heavenly position. It describes who you were. Remember, if you're in any form of sin, it's not who you are. Understand that. As a believer, that's not who you are. It might be what you're doing, but it's not who you are. If you remember who you are, you can change what you're doing to match it together. You get it. So you need to know what it is that God is saying to you. What he's saying to you about specific stuff in your life. But the answer to it is not to get all bogged down in the introspective negativity of condemnation. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Shake off the condemnation and shake off those former things that brought you into condemnation before. Such were some of you, but you are washed, you are transformed by the grace of God, by the goodness of God. Amen and amen. amen. Say with me, the blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses from every sin. Amen and amen. So it's worth it. It's worth it to go the full journey with him, to go the full way 
with him on this journey. This evening service, I'll be talking about how to sow to the Spirit, how to respond to those impulses. And the Holy Spirit, so, so wonderful. And there are two things he says. One is, ah, ah, and the other is, go for it. And you've got to recognize when the Holy Spirit says, ah, ah, what, what would you say? Ah, ah, no, please, no. Okay, and the Holy Spirit gets behind and pushes and says, that's it. Those impulses of the Spirit is about how you walk with the Spirit. Now, in a time of spiritual renewal, God wants to renew all of our lives. He doesn't just want us to be set free, perhaps, from depression, as important as that is, or just to be set free from physical sickness, as important as that is, or to be released in spiritual gifts, as important as that is. He wants to do the whole job, and he wants to renew the, all of your life. And when the whole of your life is being renewed, suddenly you become a vessel fit for the master's use, and without you knowing, necessarily, he will pour in the spirit of glory into your frail vessel and you will be a carrier of his glory and it will be amazing stepping into situations and God will give you victory. Vitally important that we let him have his way. So what do we do here? Let the Holy Spirit in. But he's in. If you're a believer, the Spirit lives in you. Yeah? But at the same time, that doesn't mean to say that you have allowed him to have full access in your life. So open your heart and say, more of your Holy Spirit, more of your influence. And when you're welcoming him in, then you are allowing him, you're giving him permission to work in your life and to move and to bring renewal. Restoration. This uh, scripture that we read, um, especially the second part when it goes on to the positive attributes from verse 12, put on as God's chosen people, holy and beloved, compassion, hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, putting on love that binds everything together, peace of Christ. All of this, that's the kind of Christian community that this move of God can create if we let him have his way. Have your own way, Lord. Have your own way. You are the potter. We are the clay. Let him in. And then let him show you the reality of the spiritual realm. So you're not thinking like the world thinks, oh, it's just what them Christians believe, they can't prove it, it's just a matter of opinion. No, 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 no. It is a matter of opinion, actually. God's opinion. <laughs> not ours, God's opinion. When God's opinion counts and drives your life, you'll be amazed at the transformation that takes place by becoming fully alive to the spiritual realm. You position yourself in line with truth for the Holy Spirit's unlimited power to work in your life. And this will enable you to walk in the strength of the Spirit as you draw closer to Him and walk in His ways.